Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master Studios, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks for you to use for your games at home. I'll bring them up to the next level. Today's topic, we're going to be talking about experience pacing and what you can do to help shape your game with those options. Before we get into it, let's take roll call here in the studio. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator for the show. With me is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, creator of the World of Wrath and semi-professional DM, and Ed. Yeah, I'd like to be referred to from now on as Super Ed. Why are we doing that? Well, I just got myself out of a pretty epic montage, so uh, I'm level 30 now, and I think it qualifies. So today's topic, oh, and we do have Garm in the studio. If you hear any crunching on a bone in the background, that's going to be Garm, our our studio mascot dog. He's He's under the table, and we can't pull him away from the bone that he's got. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's so true. So he he'll probably wander out of the studio at some point. But if you hear any strange sound of bone breaking in the background, that's what's going on. So today we are talking either that or super ads fighting crime. So today we are talking about experience pacing. Um, this is building off of a topic from a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about uh, in out of game rewards uh, experience. We wanted to go into a little bit more detail on that after, you know, after the post show, we're sitting around, we're talking about, and we get the idea to talk a little bit about how giving experience at different rates can help affect and shape your game. And you may want to do that for the type of game that you're looking at doing um, options like speeding up the amount of the leveling by giving out more experience or slowing it down by not giving out as much or even foregoing experience altogether and using milestones and set levelings just as an option to make sure that you have a control on the power level of the party and keep things equal and balanced. So first on the list, we were talking about either the no leveling or slow leveling options for a game, keeping it at kind of a low power level to play around with some of the, the stuff that they kind of speed level out of early on. So what are you guys thoughts on on keeping things at a low level, keeping them fighting, you know, goblins and orcs throughout the course of an epic campaign? Yeah. And your reasons for keeping things relatively low level, um, I'd say capping maybe at five, maybe four or three, uh, depending on the system and and the way things work. But the the idea there is that you're allowing for those uh, um, lower level encounters to consistently remain a threat um fifth edition does this a lot better in scale anyway even you know low level goblins can still eventually hit you and they'll do some damage it can be a threat but um the difference is if you're you know 10th level you're you know and you're a fighter or a warrior you're probably sitting sitting somewhere on 80 to 100 hit points so you don't care you know about those guys they're not going to really affect you much and you're going to just wash right through them even a critical hit's going to do what it Tenth of your hit points. Yeah, I think goblins maybe do a D four or a D six plus like one or two. So I mean, you know, they're going to do fourteen max on a crit. Uh, that's just off the top of my head. I could be completely wrong about that. We'll fact check it later. Um, but the idea is, you know, maybe you want a campaign that's uh, almost sort of Lords of the Lord of the Ringy. You know, where you're get, there's going to be a lot of 
fighting going on. Hang on. I got to jot down Lord of the Ringy. Yeah. And I don't mean on now they're high level for the epic scale of things, but the, the low level part of it is they're always fighting orcs. They're always fighting goblins. They're fighting these creatures that are very beneath some of them, but also on the skill exact skill level for a few of them. So like, you know, like uh, the, the hobbits, for instance, you know, they're, they're basically low level through the entire thing. Okay. Yeah. They get some gear, they get some training, at the end of it, they're capable and they're fighting and they're, you know, defending things. But in the beginning, they have no idea what they're doing. Um, maybe you want to have a campaign that just revolves around lots of encounters with low level things. And then eventually you solve the plot and then, uh, um, you know, move on or how, however you do it. But in, in that sort of instance, you'll want to keep everything sort of low level. You want them to be around that, say, third level mark where, OK, yeah, they're going to beat these guys you know, more often than not, but it's still a threat. You know, they still only got maybe 20, 30 hit points for the, the fighters, you know, and warriors and even less for anything else, uh, which can help add to that drama. You know, if you're going up against eight goblins, you know, a, a, a third level group will certainly defeat those eight goblins, but they're going to have to spend more resources than, you know, a 10th level group. So it's not a challenge. Yeah. I mean, I think of a nice reason for keeping or wanting to keep a party low level, where these lower level creatures are a threat <clears throat> is not just to keep the lower level creatures a threat, but to keep the, the fear factor high for the players when you're low level and you have low hit points and low armor classes and in and, and low resources in general, you're much more fearful for your character's life than you are when you're, you know, a demigod walking around at 10th, 15th level going, whatever, I got my Vorpal Blade and my Plate Mail plus five and whatever, I got a thousand hit points. And I've got six different ways to bypass an encounter that I don't feel like dealing with. Right, yeah, exactly. You know, and if I do die, I've been raised dead three times already, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, it doesn't make make a big deal. So, I mean, again, a, a nice situation for that is like if you want to do like, you know, kind of a, a thriller or horror game, you know what I mean, where you want to keep that that threat level high. Keep you know, the players vulnerable. Keep them on their toes. Keep them on the edge of their I'd seats. I'd say then keep them at first level. Like, don't even let them have an extra level. Like well, I mean, level. I would be willing to, you know, depending on, I mean, through the course of an entire story arc, I'd be willing to let them go up to like fifth level-ish. You know, maybe depending on the depending on the the depth and the length of your story going, line. Yeah, yeah. If it's a one off, yeah. Matter, but I'm but. I'm thinking like one to three easily. You know, what I mean, like, especially like if you're using fifth edition D and D because you're not even really coming into your own until third third ish level, depending on what class you're playing. Right. You know, especially if you're playing like a fighter based class, you're not even like sub. You know, you're not become choosing champion or battle master or whatever until third level, I believe. Yeah. So you're not even you're you're until then you're just like a basically an apprentice fighter. Most of the classes. Yeah, um, most of them are, you know, some of them level. are second level, like yeah. wizard, you choose your specialty at second level, cleric, you choose right off the bat. Druid is second level. Yeah, yeah. but but a lot of them, especially yeah. the martial base classes are third level. Rogue, ranger, ranger, paladin, yeah, fighter exactly. yeah. are all third level, monk. Yeah, so again, so I'd be okay with like, you know, ending, again, if it's a shorter arc, ending around third level, if it's a longer, mid to longer arc, ending around fifth level. But again, just keeping those power levels low where you like, again, where like a, a monstrous spider is going to kill you or a goblin is going to stab you in the back and that's going to suck. Exactly. So, you you know, you might, you know, be a little bit worried, you know, you see half a dozen orcs running at you because they're, you know, beefy guys, but you probably take them out. Mm -hmm. But they got an ogre with them. That changes everything. Yeah. You know, and if you're the ogre becomes a boss fight. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like uh, if if you're trying to specifically keep them or, you know, around level three to five, then every time they see an ogre, they're going to think, oh, God, 
And then imagine you throw a troll at them or a hill giant. Right. Yeah. Now they're running for their life just mm-hmm. about because unless they're fresh and they have everything they've got and they've caught it off guard, that thing might kill them. Yeah. yeah I mean, God them. forbid you actually throw something at them that would be a challenge for even a higher level character. Like yeah. they see a purple worm and they're like pissing themselves on the spot. Exactly. <laughs> you know, getting that like Cthulhu moment without having to actually throw Cthulhu at them. You know what I mean? Like Cthulhu just landed in front of me. No, that's a purple worm. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, th- I think you, there's another point that uh, is also useful from the GM side of things. And that's the ability to get some of the variety and mix it up. Yeah. A lot of times, I think as GMs, we fall into the habits of every campaign kind of starts out the same way. You know, it's very common. Okay, we're going to start with maybe kobolds and then up to goblins and then orcs and then moving along to other stuff. And by staying at the low levels, you get some of those lesser used. Um, you can put them up against, you know, beasts and wolves or the Kuatoa mm-hmm. if you have something aquatic. Um, there's, I'm sure there's a variety of options for those low uh, challenge rating creatures. Well, especially yeah, in fifth edition, since it's, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, like, no. um, where fifth edition is, you know, uh, still a new system, and there's really just this, you know, I mean, yeah, they have had a few expansions, but for core books, like, there's no Monster Manual 2 yet. There's Monster Manual 1. And if you look at it, like, it starts with, you know, if you look at the CR ratings, like, it starts with, like, there's a ton of 1 eighths through cr ones and it just starts you start just dropping down exponentially like there's one cr 30 in the book there's a couple cr 20s i think you you even get to the point where you're looking at like cr 13 14 and you're looking at five or six creatures right exactly like there's a lot of smaller stuff and there's just fewer as you go up in level there's just fewer and fewer things but one of the other reasons for that is specifically fifth edition set up their ac and their to hit system like with their proficiency bonuses and stuff with bounded accuracy the bounded accuracy exactly so that way no matter how high a level you are lower level creatures in numbers are still a threat like you were saying earlier, like, yes, no, no one goblin is going to be a threat for a level 20 fighter, but a whole army of goblins can hurt and kill a level 20 fighter in fifth edition. Whereas like 3.5, you're like, dude, you can't even hit me. I have like an AC hundred. Yeah. I was running a Pathfinder game uh, and Paladin had like a 28 something AC, like at fourth or fifth level. And I'm like looking at all of the CR five stuff and I'm like, there's nothing that can hit him. You know, and my, my thinking is, and I don't do a, I don't do a lot of math as the GM, when it comes to putting together what I think would be a good encounter, I just, I just kind of look at what I want to throw at him and th- in, in, in my head sort of decide, yeah, I think they can take that on. And, and usually um, I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong, but like in this case, I'm looking at him and I'm like, okay, so I would think that a CR five brute style character, something that's out there to, you know, has a lot of hit points, has a good attack and is, you know, supposed to be a physical threat should be able to hit, you know, some, somewhere on the range of a 12 or a 14 on the die roll should be able to hit the, the fighter, yeah. you know, should be able to beat their AC and pose a challenge. And I had to go up to a CR nine before I found something that could do that with that 28 uh, AC. I'm just not like, that you couldn't have modded him or like oh, given the ogre, like a magic weapon that has plus five or no. something like that. And that's know? exactly true. And I ended up having to mod it, but I mean, that's just, well, you also run into danger because then they kill the ogre and now they have a plus five weapon. True. Yeah. Now, one of the things when you said the uh, fighter up against an army of goblins in fifth edition, you just have half the goblins taking the aid action. And now the other half are attacking with advantage, mm-hmm. rolling 2d20, taking the higher. Right. Exactly. In previous editions, I'll take the aid action. You get a plus two to hit. 
for your paladin with his 28, 29 AC, mm-hmm. plus two doesn't really help much. No, no. But, but doubling advantage. my chances of getting a 20. <laughs> yeah, advantage all of a sudden. Oh, that's going to hurt. Especially when I remember I had a character who had a 22 AC and they were like, that's epic. Oh, yeah. Fifth edition. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And also the fact that in fifth edition, a 20 is a straight hit plus crit. Like you don't have to confirm a crit. Yeah. You don't have to be able to, oh, well, normally you can't hit this AC level, so you're not allowed to crit or any of those other weird um, variations. It's just 20 is auto hit, auto crit. So every goblin that's, you know, rolling a 20 is no matter what your AC is, period, just hitting and doing double, you know, doubling their dice pool. And, you know, in that example, certainly that fighter is going to swath through most of that army of goblins, but eventually they're going to take them down because there's just so many of them that get to attack. So let's uh, let's actually move on to the other side of the spectrum that we we're talking about, and that is speed leveling. Yep. Um, this is pushing your characters through levels, maybe even faster than you would normally do it. You know, normally a, a GM, a general, I think an experienced GM would say that you don't want to give more than one level per session. Sure. And even that's kind of a fast rate. I know. I believe they in the Dungeon Master's Guide for Fifth Edition, they said you know a level per session up to like level four or five, and then a level and then every, every other, other session. session, and then yeah. to like level nine or ten, and then every three to you know three ish, three to four sessions, and then every four to five sessions once you hit certain brackets. And that's just a general guideline for milestones. Some sometimes you want to go faster than that. I think um, there's situation now. A lot of people would say we'll just start them off at a higher level. You know, if you want them to be high, you know, high level at the beginning, just start them off at a higher level. And I do agree to that to an extent. If you have players who are experienced with the system, then everyone should be fine with that. But uh, when you, if you have any new players who, even if they're uh, veterans of role playing, but maybe new to the system, um, you have to remember that leveling is there so that they learn how to play their character. Especially in fifth edition, I've seen levels like one to three, almost feel like a video game tutorial. Yeah. Here's how to move. Here's how to fight. Here's how you start getting your options. And then after level three, the world opens up and you can do what you want. And I absolutely agree with that. That's why uh, I, I I like to start my players out at level one. And then um, even if I want them to be like level 10 by the end of like five sessions, which I know kind of sounds ridiculous, but maybe I want them to start thinking about going after dragons. Maybe I want them to, you know, maybe take on giants or, uh, or, you know, higher level threats. And I also know that you've had the tendency to run eight to nine hour sessions. Yeah, I've done that before as well. So yeah, the length of your session that can change things too. I mean, if you're running a four hour session all the time and okay, yeah, one level, you know, here and there, every other session, sure, fine, great. But you double the session length and you're doubling the amount of time, play time, literally. So yeah, no, definitely. If you're running longer sessions, you de- really want to consider allowing your players to level uh, even faster than you would normally think. Uh, one of my first examples of this is I think I leveled them up three times in an eight hour session game. And then after that, I'd level them up like two times a game for a while. And then you know, once they hit a high enough level, it's, it's only be one per game because it's just you got to slow it down at some point. But that was sort of a, a more normal, just regular style progression game that I'd had planned. Sometimes you want to run those higher level games, but you sort of want the group to figure out who they are as a group, figure out how they work t- together the best, have each player figure out their own abilities and powers and have that time where you have the fighter who has his fighting style and then he gets to level two and now he's got second win in action surge and they get to level three and now they've got all these new abilities from their uh from their um uh from their uh subclass 
you know, and then they get level four. Oh, now they have either uh, ability point, ability points or uh, maybe a new feat that they picked and then so on and so forth. You keep doing that. You want to give them that chance to play with each level to sort of let them mold their character and learn what their character is. But that doesn't mean that, again, after five, six sessions, you might not want them at level 10 or 11 or whatnot. So you can have them go fight, you know, genies or, or you know, whatever you want to throw against them. That's just maybe you're tired of the flip side, which is all the goblins and orcs all the time. And you want them to go fight the bigger monsters that you have in the monster manual. They've barely been able to throw at anyone because no one's been high enough level. I think speed, here there be dragons. <laughs> yeah, speed leveling does give you that option of either going for those bigger batter monsters, which again yeah. is like GM variety because that's something you might not get to see so much, um, or also having the Lord of the Ringy style battles right, where, right, where right. you have high level characters mowing through low level enemies. Yeah, um, yeah. I was going to say that actually when Ed made the comment and the, the like the leveling slow, and you were saying you know you can get that for nice variety, and which is true. But I mean, obviously, like in my opinion, again, with with bounded accuracy in fifth edition specifically, because this isn't going to be true for all editions, but or, or all games. But with the bounded accuracy concept, you can actually get a larger variety the higher the level you go, because you can just throw more and more of something at someone. Well, no, that's true. I'm, I'm not. I wouldn't say yeah. that that's not true. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. We, we had the epic battle that was like hobgoblins and goblins and wolves against a group of eighth or ninth level party. Yeah. So, yeah, and I'm, and I'm kind of where Ed's at where, you know, I personally, like, I am a huge fan of people starting at level one. Like, I want them to learn their character, not just from a, a stat perspective or from an ability perspective, but for, like, a role-playing perspective. Like, where's your character coming from? Like, either I want a long backstory from you saying, like, this is, you know, I'm fifth level and this is, you know, and this is my backstory, you know, like, you know, really developing the character or I want to start everyone at level one and it's a lot easier to start everyone at level one than it is to get a five page backstory from everybody. Right. You know, but I want you to evolve as a character, you know, as a person, you know, develop, you know, like, okay, well, because of this situation, I'm now afraid of, you know, spiders and because of this situation like i i have no fear of orcs and like you know I, I had a bad experience once with a boat you know what i mean like you know and just kind of have these little you know these little quirks and personality traits that are only going to come from either you know a detailed background you know that you put a lot of thought into or just actually like role playing the character yeah. you know through from first level a so lot of times that role playing becomes the background like right. you'll have players yeah. who yes they have a background quote unquote for their character, but they don't have anything specific. So you can, you sort of build their background by the first, you know, four or five levels. Yeah. I mean, I know that I've, I've of all the backgrounds and, you know, of all the characters I've, I've read for all the different players I've had, I see a lot of stories, but I don't necessarily see as much of the, the personality traits that you might think would have developed from these backstories, really playing truth from the character. They usually end up, you know, like you might give me a five page background, that to me would suggest that your character is going to behave in X and Y kind of fashion. But then once you start playing, you're nothing like that. Right. But then once you've had three or four sessions under your belt with that character, now you have developed personalities Z and Q, which now makes sense based off of your experience on one, how you started playing the character and two, the experiences you've had in the game. And you're only going to get that from playing. So sometimes I think it's better because you're going to be more true to the character just playing it instead of saying, well, I'm going to behave like this, but then I'm really not going to behave like that because I'm going to end up behaving a different way. So speed leveling through that stuff, you know, like, you know, yeah, you're 
you while you're accelerating some of that that play time i just it's one of those again i want everyone to start i kind of want everyone to start at level one but at the same time i want to play these mid-level and high level games right you know i want to throw dragons at people <laughs> yeah have them go take out liches and mummy lords and stuff right like exactly that. like i want to get into these I complicated fly over my enemies and shoot down fireballs yeah. like i want some epic level stuff going on and don't get me wrong, like the, the low level stuff is crazy fun, but like I want, like you said, like I want to throw a lich at somebody. I want to throw a whole clan of vampires at them, you know, at, at once. <laughs> so, you know, that's where the, the speed leveling can really come in handy, you know, getting just getting them up to those levels faster, but still giving them the play time and getting that experience under their belt. But you, I do think that it is one where you have to be careful. You know, the, the slow leveling, I think you probably should discuss with your group as well ahead of time. Um, but also speed level leveling, you want to make sure that you've got the right group. You want a group that knows. Right. I wouldn't do that with anyone. I would do that with an experienced group. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. You wouldn't want to bring in like three people are learning the system and two people know the system. Right. And that's my group. And they're going to be fourth level by the end of the first session. Yeah. No, well, that'll end in disaster. Both of the times that I've done this, uh, it has been with a group of experienced role players. Uh, the first time I did it with them, they did not know uh, fifth edition, but they played plenty of D and D, so they were able to pick it up quickly. Um, and then the second time I did that with them, uh, they were more experienced with D and D, but still the idea was to get them a little higher level, you know, as quickly as possible. But yeah, definitely a group of experienced players would be the best. Um, so the the next option that we wanted to talk about was uh, set leveling or milestone leveling, mm-hmm. um, which is where you're not really tracking XP, but instead the DM declares and now the party is level x uh you can either do this as part of an ongoing campaign uh so as they hit certain points in the story arc you level up or you can do it as part of an episodic campaign okay the party comes together and meets and you play level three characters and then we go out into the world for five years and we come back and everybody's level seven or level eight um to jump across the uh years and so we're just looking at the characters at certain points during their uh, highlights of their career, so to speak. Right. Right. Um, So using the set leveling, the milestone system, I've actually been doing that in a lot of my games and I found it's worked really well. It's eliminated the bookkeeping of XP. Okay. We got 660 XP, but we have five people in the group. So we need to split that up. How many does each person get? How, why do you have more than I do? How do, much do we need for the next level? No, it just becomes, okay, you've successfully escorted the caravan to the next town. You get paid and everybody levels up to level three. Yeah. Um, it keeps everybody together. It keeps the players at the same power level. It means you can say, okay, everybody levels up. Let's take a break and get everybody leveled and helps keep things nice, neat and organized. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Milestone. I've been doing Milestone since I started fifth edition, running 5th edition. And like you said, it's just so much simpler, in my opinion. Like, I don't get me wrong. I love the whole concept of, like, I I miss handing out bonus experience points. Like, that's the only thing about episode, doing Milestones is I liked handing out bonus experience. Like, you did an awesome job role-playing. Not only do you have inspiration, but here's some bonus XP. Or you, got, you wrote a really awesome background. Here's some bonus XP. And I got a lot of, you know, there was a lot of perks and advantages out of that. 
But just the, the simplicity of like, you know what? I need everyone to be a higher level now. Boom. You're all a higher level now. You know what I mean? Or I have no problem handing out XP, but I have to sit there and go, okay, you killed this, 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 and this, which means by the book, you get this much XP. But the book is also kind of a guideline. You know what I mean? Like I can give out whatever I want. You guys also did some good role playing. So here's some XP for role playing and here's this and here's that. And then I might be like sitting there going, wait, how much do you guys need to level? Cause I don't want you to level yet. Or how much do you need to level? Cause I need you to level right. instead of sitting there number crunching, like, okay, well, officially you all earned 20,000 XP, but you only need 18,000 to level. And I don't really need you to level yet. Or you only earned 15,000 and you need 18,000 to level. And then you just go, whatever, here's the extra 3,000. You all got the 18 that you needed to level, which I've seen happen. And I've yep. done so many times, you know what I mean? Like, oh man, if I had only gotten another thousand, I would have leveled. Just give yourself all an extra thousand. Yeah. Why not just milestone at that point anyways? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, and, you know, as, as, as I've been running fifth as well, I've been sort of just doing that same thing. Those examples i gave earlier about the speed leveling i wasn't using experience points for any of that i was just like okay you fi you finished the first you know kind of big encounter that i had against you you're level two now you know um you in and the like the role-playing encounter i had to go with it yeah you're level two uh, oh okay there's a, another sort of mini dungeon you went through all right you're level three now you know not you know not to the point where there's any xp uh uh and i guess you could you could do milestoning for whichever speed you want your group to level up at. But, uh, you know, definitely it's, it's to me, it's as, like you say, it's just more convenient it's a simpler way of life yeah, and like you said jerry you know it keeps everyone on the same page you don't have to worry about like well so-and-so's been doing a lot of extra credit stuff on the side he's been running lots of rps and backgrounds and stuff and he's been doing an awesome job role-playing in game where i keep feeling compelled to give him bonus xp and this that and the other thing and the next thing you know he's one level ahead of the whole group which it can be okay and isn't always a big deal one level ones in the end of the world but you know as soon as someone else is level nine they're the whole party like well i want to be level nine oh, I, too i had a i had a i just don't do that yeah if someone wants to do bonus stuff side stuff on the game that i'm running then i may or may not allow them to do it in the first place just because hey this game was built with a group in mind but if i do allow them to do that I, I tell them flat out it's like i'm not gonna give you extra experience and i'm not and i'm only not doing it because there's another group that just can't meet with us on the extra day or whatever uh, but then I also, uh, I do always offer them, if you'd like, you can just make a side character and we could just do a solo role play with that side character and then you can advance. As yeah. Well, I, you know, my, my thing is like, again, like I used to reward bonus XP for like doing, you know, writing up backgrounds and, you know, writing up extra bonus stories and stuff like that. Not extra and not actually necessarily extra role playing, but you know, for writing up stuff, which was, you know, a, a Again, it started a nice trend and conditioned my players to give me a lot of extra material towards my player or towards their characters for a long time. So that's the one thing I, I really do kind of miss. I had a game in college where the DM said, if you die, you get to bring in a new character, but all new characters come in at level one. And so we had you know two level nine characters, a level five character and a level two character. Yeah, and, and I've that, played with other groups. Like that, that leads to an imbalance, which you know, milestone leveling can help avert. My very first episode or game of D&D &D ever was second edition Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. And I was a level one mage. No, I think I was dual class. I think I was a fighter mage. But either way, like I'm coming into a group of everyone was level nine and I was level one coming into the group. And while I understand it was my first game of D&D &D ever, so I really should have been level one. 
But at the same time, like I'm with a group of level nine. So it's like the first combat was like I hide behind the fighter. <laughs> and in second edition, different classes leveled at different rates. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but in, my, in mine, I use the milestones to coincide with the story arcs. Mm-hmm. Um, the players have to collect the four artifacts after they get each one of those four artifacts. They're going to go up a level. Yeah. Which is really like, I think the, the, the true purpose of milestoning was like designed to be like around like you've accomplished X. Not, you know what? It's been two sessions. You guys killed some stuff here. Have a level. You know what I mean? But I mean, you know, it's, it's been, you know, I think milestoning was kind of really intended more to be like, you've accomplished X. Here's a level. You've accomplished Y. Here's a level. I mean, obviously you can hand it out however you want. I mean, that's how I've been doing it. You know what I mean? I'm, I've been that guy. It's been like, it's been two sessions. You guys killed a lot of stuff. It's okay to be more powerful here have a level but you know i think gearing it around the story points like you've been doing is really like the ideal and then we also have the oh well we've had two sessions where you guys haven't leveled but last session was a short session people were screwing around a lot so it's okay that we went an extra session without you guys getting a level because you didn't get a lot accomplished Mm -hmm. oh you got through the dungeon you got the tome that you needed so that you can move on to the next stage of the quest that's a reason for leveling up oh yeah absolutely you know, or, or I mean, then again, sometimes you might have a group of players who don't go straight after your plot. Um, you know, you might put something in front of them and they say, eh, I'm not interested in that. I'm going to go do something else. So, you know, you still want to think of, OK, well, if, you know, if I throw a couple encounters at them and they survive it, even if they don't go after my story piece, I'm still going to, you know, sort of give them that milestone and then just, you know, go from there. Uh, you know, you you still want to allow for their, their players to be able to deviate if. Yeah, I had an idea for kind of combining the concept of milestoning and still giving out XP. And it's not really like an original idea. It's kind of the concept of like the whole training, you know, like you have to train your level. So like you're giving out XP, like it's in my opinion, it's something I would have to try and I'd be willing to try sometime. But basically just like giving out XP willy nilly, like not worrying about like adding it all, not worrying about whether or not you're going to level or not level. Just like here you here's your XP, here's your XP, here's your XP, here's your XP. But even when you've earned enough to level, you don't automatically level. You have to train the level. So you're kind of combining like the whole like I'm handing out XP all the while everyone's earning XP and people might have different amounts of XP, but you're all going to probably level at the same time because you're going to as a group go to X to train in Y, right. you know, so then you're kind of adding that milestoning kind of element, you know what I mean? Like, okay, well, we need to go to Central City and train at Star Labs so we can up our level. <laughs> Bonus points for anybody that can figure out what TV shows Jared's been watching. <laughs> You know, and then boom. Okay, now you're all level two. You know what I mean? All right, they go, but I still have an I have an XP to hit level three. Well, you can't uh, train two levels at the same time. Sorry, guys. You're like there has to be time in between. So go out into the world and earn some more XP and come back and level again. We also, and as your experimental systems is actually a good segue into talking about using this in other systems. Right. Now we kind of baseline off D and D and specifically fifth edition. D&D is the longest running. It's pretty much the most popular role-playing game out there. But there are lots of other systems, and not all of them use a class-level system. So you can't just take this and say you're running Deadlands or Champions or something like that and and use it the same way. So you just have, if you wanted to take some of the concepts of slow-leveling, speed-leveling, milestoning, and applying them to a system that doesn't use a class-level system, you can definitely do that. Um, if you wanted to speed level and you're on a point by system, give out you more points to your players. Right. Uh, I know the white wolf storyline 
or the White Wolf line of games, at least from what I played, would talk about giving out, you know, five to eight experience per story arc. You know, you may want to speed that up and be giving out like eight to ten experience per session. And boost your characters through there. Or you could wind up slowing things down, keeping things a little more static. So they're getting experience at a slower trickle, but it's still coming in to keep them to kind of slow level. So they don't strip out of the power level that they're at too quickly. Um, It really just comes down to knowing the system, which I think for a GM is one of the top important things to do is to know the system you're running. Yeah. And know how to keep things balanced within that system, whether you, jump them high level or keep them low level or in that relative power level. If it's a say point buyer. Difference. Yeah. Yeah. Balance is definitely relative balance. You know, like being able to control your group is really what it comes down to, you know, for the, for the balance aspect. I mean, like, you know, you can, you can level them as fast as you want. So they're as powerful as can be in three sessions, as long as you can appropriately challenge them and keep them under control on the other side as a DM or GM with your monsters and challenge ratings. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of where the balance comes in. Some people have trouble controlling their players once they hit the fifth level. I mean, I, you know, usually less experienced DMs, but that's where you like, maybe you should be slowing down your, your, your leveling until you can learn to control higher level and more powerful characters. All right. So that's a, about a good spot for us to wrap it up for today. Um, if you have any comments or would like to hear more details on leveling and experience pacing, definitely feel free to get in touch with us. We are available on Facebook to like, comment, and subscribe. We're on Twitter at GMS Studios, and we do have message boards, GameMasterStudio.ProBoards.com. We're back here with new episodes every week, and we will see you the next time that we are in the studio.